Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How to get out of your own way with my friend, Lauren McLaughlin. Everybody get ready for this. This is going to be a really fun episode. Uh, We've known each other for decades. I was trying to figure out how many decades, probably three. And we have a lot of the same beliefs about how we create our reality with our thinking. As we used to say in seminary all the time, if you don't like your life, change your mind. And it's not the way you think. So anyway, there's all kinds of things we can talk about. I really don't know where the show is going to go because as we all know, I like to just see what organically shows up because there's so much available to us. So be ready for an exciting show about how to get out of your own way. The number one question that gifted people ask me is, well, how? The how question, how do I do it? And Lauren is really good at the how questions. So Lauren, welcome to Someone Gets Me and welcome to the show. And we're so delighted that you're here. Well, I'm delighted to be here. I think it's going to be a fun morning. (laughs) Yes, it is. Because I think that the how question, you know, like we were talking before is so important because it's, it's really easy to talk about concepts like do this or do that or find a spiritual life. I hear it all the time. Well, great. Okay. Well, how do I do that? Or you have to meditate every day. Okay. How do I do that? Or um, what was the other one the other day? Oh, I told somebody, you know, you have to breathe. And then I realized that maybe they don't know how. <laughs> or, so, remember, or remember to. It's right. Not, or re- now it's remembering to do it. Right. And sometimes they don't know how. Like I have, I have a client right now that I'm working with who was taught that an inhale, you suck your belly in. Oh. She doesn't know how to breathe properly because she was taught incorrectly as a way to be thin. And so sometimes it takes understanding that what maybe what we taught isn't correct. A whole lot of the time. Yeah. A whole lot of the time. So I'd I'd love for you to share a little bit about um, part of your own journey of how it is that you have become so excited by metaphysics and by this way of looking at life that's a little bit more holistic than the average just in your head stuff. How did you get excited about all of this? Well, it all happened. You know, remember that line? It all happened in a small town and such and such. <laughs> I was riding along in the car and someone on a talk show that I had not even been listening to said, you know, maybe you uh, can control your life by what you think. And I thought this was almost blasphemous. <laughs> I was just horrified that anybody could think I could be in control of anything. So, uh, you know, I remember being almost angry and then never being able to get the thought out of my head again as long as I lived. <laughs> and somewhere along the line, someone introduced me to a metaphysical teacher. She was not connected with any religion or church or anything. She was coming strictly from spirit. And I used to go with this friend of mine to hear her talk and thought, you know, this lady lives in the land of Winnie the Pooh. She has absolutely no concept. 
She said, those of you sitting in this room will one day be speaking to hundreds of people at a time. And I thought she really is certifiable. She has no idea what she's talking about. And then watched my life unfold uh, in, in the most interesting way. Uh, everyone in that class attended a Unity Church. I had never even heard of one. But one Sunday morning, I got up and went to the Unity Church, and the person who was greeting me at the door was someone I knew from that class. And I thought, as I listened to the minister's talk, these people are just don't know. They have no reality. They don't live in the real world. They don't, <laughs> they don't understand. But I kept going back. And then I met my husband, who was at another Unity Church. Uh, we, uh, I went to work for him, and he happened happened to be a Unity person. Yeah. And eventually, we uh, ten years later, we got married. And then ten years after that, he said, "You know, I once applied to be a Unity minister, and I was turned down. And I never knew why, but I think I'd like to apply again." And we found out he had been turned down because he had been recently divorced and they didn't like you to come into ministry right after a divorce because they thought you were trying to substitute one thing for another, but had nothing to do with him. But so he was then accepted and I went to school with him thinking I will become a licensed teacher. Unity has two credentials and that I would do that while I was there so I could help him in his ministry. And after that, I would finally write, which was something I'd always wanted to do. But I got a calling myself in the middle of the second year. And he said, uh, well, I'm glad you made up your mind now, because I thought we might have to come back when you finally woke up to the fact that you're supposed to do this, too. So we ministered for uh, about 10 years. Now, we were 57 and 59 when we were ordained. So he was a businessman, and so we were specifically church growth ministers. We took ministries that were in serious trouble, both financially and spiritually, and built both churches back up. But by that time, we were pretty tired. So we retired and would have been writing and teaching and lecturing and talking to people like you ever since. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a really great story. And you know, it's it's funny when you when you said about how when you heard that voice on the radio, how it made you mad. You know, yeah, like, it did. I thought, what do they, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> right, right. And and I've had <laughs> people tell me that before. For me, it was more like, what? I was like almost like a little confused and like this didn't doesn't make sense, but okay, whatever, whatever they want to say. Um, and then it went from there. But I, I, I know a lot of people who got that kind of anger response and then come to find out years later that I think the anger like pushed that ego button, you know? Oh, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, um, as I say, the ego is not the amigo all the time. And sometimes it tries to keep away the goodness of things. So if somebody's um, kind of curious about how, to integrate a spiritual metaphysical kind of life with human world like that. Like, you know, how do we do it? Like what, what are some of the first steps if somebody was just walking into your presence and they have no concept of what's going on, but they're kind of curious, you know, they're open-minded. What would be some of the first things that you would suggest for them to start thinking about or pondering or doing? Well, the first thing I would tell them is that it's not hard. This is the, the, there's nothing complicated about it. There's nothing complicated about meditating. You just 
uh, manage to empty your mind for even a minute, you've already begun the process of meditation. So there, there are not the steps to living a more spiritual life are really to behave in a spiritual manner, to be spend some time being grateful for what's good in your life, to perform acts of kindness, not for any reward, but other than the fact that it makes you feel good to be a kind person. To understand that compassion is, is relating to someone in a way that says, I've been there in some way or other. I may not be a terrorist, but I have at one time or another been just beside myself. And I know that if I had had any sort of mental deficiency or illness at the time, I could have gone as crazy as you are. I didn't. I was saved from that. But, but I've been in that awful place where you just can't do anything else. It's, it's understanding that forgiving someone has nothing to do with what they did. It has to do with letting yourself off the hook. So these are simple concepts. And uh, they sound complicated. And we make them complicated. And we carry a lot of old baggage with us while we try to do it. But the more you practice, like anything else, the better you get at it and the better your life gets. And as your life begins to get better, then you begin to want to, to know more and experiment more and stop blaming everybody else. And, uh, you know, I always say most people don't come into my particular religious discipline until they're at least 40. Because up until then, it's easier to blame their parents and their employer and uh, the devil, <laughs> anybody but them. But at 40, they begin to think, you know, if I start taking some responsibility here, I'm never going to get control of my life. And at that point, many more begin to turn to some form of spiritual study. Yes, absolutely. So if somebody's overthinking things, because I noticed, I noticed that a lot of people who are attracted to metaphysical types of things tend to like to think about things. They ponder a lot and think. So if somebody's overthinking these simple concepts, because they're simple and relatively easy, yet we like, to, we like to overcomplicate them, like you said, what's a good way to start releasing that idea of overcomplicating and overthinking? To me, the best tool for anyone to use for any problem on the planet is gratitude. Yes. It's so simple and it's free and it's available to anyone, anytime, anywhere. There are no restrictions. You don't have to have a certain education or bank account or age or anything else. You can always be grateful. And you can start with, I can see, I can hear, I can touch, I can taste, I can smell. Even if one of those is compromised, the others are amazing. And then I can walk, I can talk, I can love, I can communicate, I can sing, I can dance. You know, the, we don't realize how profoundly blessed we are in the very simplest ways. And in the most complex ways, we, we are way more blessed than we would have ever thought of, you know, just not, we can't even conceive of how much there is to be grateful for. So to, I, if someone is in real trouble, that's usually where I start them. Let's just spend a little time being grateful for anything you take for granted, like a ballpoint pen or a windshield wiper or, you know, the, the simplest thing that if it stopped, you would be stopped right in your tracks. And even <laughs> so, being grateful for thinking too much. Yeah, right. Being able to for, think. To think, for being able to conceive of all these things. Yeah, um, yeah. 
we were going to talk about a little bit about getting out of your own way. I have my teaching at the moment is uh, on taking time out. You know, um, a child gets overwrought and we suggest they take some time out. Well, of course, we suggest they take time out to think about it. And that's the wrong thing. <laughs> Just take time out and stop thinking is usually the problem. But adults can do it by doing simple little exercises that just turn them to another way of thinking. You, you said something about uh, if you don't like what you're thinking, think about something else or something like that. My husband used to say, reset your mindset, <laughs> just change it a little bit, just to just pivot a, a fraction of an inch away from what you were thinking about and you will immediately get some relief. So taking time out and, and saying to yourself, you know, I need a time out. I either need to take a walk or I need to uh, have something to eat or I need to take a nap or I need to go talk to a friend or I need to watch a tele mindless television is my favorite time out. Something where I don't have to think long enough to let my thinking get back under control. Right. Yes, definitely. You get, I think that's important is to take a time out. I, I like to take timeouts a lot. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, and I find that the creative rest of a timeout, usually I'm inspired at some point, either right after or during it. And then it makes everything else flow better. Yeah. Everything doesn't matter what it is. I think we get in what I call the loop, you know, if I do this, that'll happen. Well, if I do this, that'll happen. Well, if I do this, that'll happen. Well, if I do, and you, you just keep going back and forth and back and forth until you're crazy and you have to break that loop. That's right. Cause it'll make you feel crazy. Yeah. And then you make everybody else crazy. So <laughs> right. that, that, that it's, then you're going south from there for sure. <laughs> it's so obvious. It's so obvious. So when, I have people that all the time say I can't meditate because I think too much or I don't like it or they have a picture in their head that's really not what it what meditation is. So if you were explaining to somebody for the first time, like what is meditation? How would you tell them what it is and what its benefit is like really? Well, what it is is emptying your mind so that you aren't thinking about anything. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do on your first try. Right. So right. I always suggest they just begin by breathing and teach them to breathe in through their nose to the count of four and hold for four and breathe out from their mouth for the count of four. Now, this isn't teaching them to fill their tummy and all that stuff. I'm not teaching breathing as much as I am learning how to feel your breath because something breathes you when you're not thinking about it. otherwise you did because we're never really thinking about it. so when we go to that breath we go to that spiritual place that says something keeps me alive even when i'm not paying attention and i want to get in touch with that i want to be grateful for it i want to understand it sustains me i want to understand it strengthens me and so while I am just focusing on the in and out of my breath and not allowing myself to think about anything else for a few minutes, everything calms down from the top of your head to your toes. And really, that's enough meditation for a first lesson. Yes, 
Yes. And, and people are afraid to meditate because they think they're going to get stuck in there and never come out. Well, that's not any more possible than it is holding your breath. So you just don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. Right. And sometimes I think people, and I, you can tell me if you've run into this too, I think some people have that fear of missing out. Like, so if I come apart and I just breathe and I focus on my breath, like, what am I missing? What am I missing on social media or outside or TV or whatever? And it's like, I don't want to miss anything yet. That's just, doesn't work that way. No, because it'll get whatever you were supposed to have found out in that 10 minutes will come to you in some other fashion. Uh, and you won't be, you can't get that far behind the times in 20 minutes. This is going to happen. <laughs> so then that fear of missing out is just an ego. It's an, it's an excuse. Yeah. Uh, and it really is you're, you're really hitting on a big thing and when you're talking about ego that's you know a whole program in its own but um i first got interested in working with the ego when i read the power of now by eckhart tolle which is almost all about the ego right. and uh, i i've often said my husband and i realized at that point how much we operated from the ego I said, probably everyone else already knew that, but we didn't realize it until we read that book. So he suggested that we name our egos and that we give them a personality so we could deal with them like they were, you know, something we could see or, or conceive of. So he named, I named my ego Sam for Yosemite Sam, you know, the guy with the big hat and the, whose mouth is always going and nothing is coming out but nonsense and so John said well he was going to call his ego Igor and John was a terrible speller and I said why Igor and he said well because Igor and ego begin with the same letter and I said no John ego begins with I and he said to me well Lauren what do you think ego begins with and of course, <laughs> and so from then on, when we would get into an argument, the husband and wife type argument, one or the other would say, look, I'm going to take a walk. I don't want to argue with Igor. And when he decides to settle down, I'll come back and have the argument. And of course, the argument was over at that point because we were realizing that we were not discussing the issue we were discussing how we felt about the issue, which wasn't what we were trying to solve. So right. it was a wonderful way to deal with ego and to re realize how prevalent it is, how many decisions we make on how whatever we're going to do is going to make us feel instead of whether it's a good thing to do or not. Yes, that's brilliant. I love that idea. I could see Yosemite Sam too when he said that. I was like, oh my God. But it's, it's a brilliant way to, to have work with something within us in a way that's manageable you know that it's not some ethereal thing that that we can't grab onto because it it makes it real yeah. that's and great. it made it fun it, it added an element of fun in fact i said i was going to get a couple of little dog houses to have in the living room where we could send them for time out and we used to teach this and i had one friend who was redheaded she said she named her ego red and she put it in the back seat in the car seat and let it scream and holler and get all its energy out. <laughs> so people dealt with it differently when they began to work with it. Yes. Oh, I love that idea. That is, that's a really, 
great how-to kind of thing of like, this is how you can look at it in a way that elevates it because there's play and mm -hmm. fun involved, but yet it's very powerful at the same time. So I want to ask you about writing for a minute because you have several books out and, and you said that when you went to school, you wanted to write later. So help us understand that story. Like what made you want to start writing and you use fiction to teach really amazing mm -hmm. high level principles. And so Tell us a little bit about how that happened, because I think using fiction to teach those principles is really amazing, and not a lot of people do that. So tell us about that. Well, they say, you know, you find out what your passion is by looking what you did when you were a little girl. And it, I was a tiny little, you know, eight or nine years old. I had a family newspaper, and I went around interviewing my aunts and uncles and then wrote all this in hand. And I actually did have the family gazette. <laughs> which was my beginning. And, and in my lifetime, I have done a lot of writing as I, I've been in fundraising for years and you have to do a lot of proposals and pamphlets and things like that. But when I got into ministry and taught for 20 years, I realized there were some things I would like to say that I thought I taught a little differently than other people did. And that it, it, the way to get more people interested in this work is to tell them in as many ways as you can so that whatever their learning mode is, they're gonna pick up on somebody's. They might miss mine, but they'll get yours or they would get somebody else's. So I started three or four times to write a book and a, a self-help book. And every time I'd get to about the third chapter, I'd think, well, you know, you're a little bit different, but this has all been written a hundred times before. Really, there's no sense in this. And I put it aside. So I was teaching one day and I heard myself say, have you ever had that experience where you hear something? I heard myself say, you know, the greatest teachers in all of history were storytellers. Yes. And like, uh -huh. you know, there'd been a little light bulb, you'd have seen it go on. And I thought, I wonder if I can write fiction. So I need to tell you that I am a believer that we're all channelers of one kind or another. But our, our word, our, our, our best teaching comes through us, not from us. Yes. We can teach from experience, but in the realm of the universe, our experience is, you know, infinitesimal and the universe is out to here. So I had been teaching on um, a telephone teaching with an author friend of mine who taught people how to write a book. And she would tell them how to find the right editor and how to find the right publicist and how to find the right, you know, all the pieces of writing a book. And then I would come along as the last teacher and teach them something called focused attraction, which was how to attract the best editor and the best copywriter and the best whatever they need. And she gave me as a reward for she didn't pay for my teaching, but she gave me an angel interview with an angel interpreter, which I, I confess now I thought was pure nonsense. <laughs> I, and the only reason I followed through on the appointment was not to disappoint this woman who had given me the gift. I had no, I thought it was just going to be an exercise in nothing. But I did talk with the angel interpreter who said she was talking to Archangel Michael, who said, Lauren, you need to write this book and don't worry about whether you can write fiction or not, because we're writing it. 
You just sit down and we'll tell you what to write. But I had also read about writing fiction and it suggested you always set it in places that are familiar to you so that if you're gonna talk about somebody in a restaurant, you don't have to make up where the restroom is, you know how to get to it or you know what direction the waiter's coming from or whatever. So I started with what I knew and sure enough, this began to unfold and I found it great fun. I mean, I was just having the best time of my life and I would finish a chapter and come out and read it to John. And frequently John would hear me read it and he'd, I'd look up and he'd have tears from whatever I was saying. And I thought, maybe I'm, maybe I'm gonna be able to do this. You know? And after I finished the book, the first book and read it, there were things in it, Diane, that I would never have written on my own. You know, a lot of it was what I had been teaching all those years, but some of it was never, did not come from me. So I believed that my passion and my purpose is to write this set of four books, and I've just finished the second one, and there will be four more. And they're based on the lives of two young men, and the first book was when they were in their 40s. And this one I just finished, they're in their 50s. And they will be in their 60s and their 70s because they have the life experiences that go with those decades. You know, in this one, their parents moved down to Florida and their wives went through menopause, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's very real. The, the characters are real. And the comments I get are, you know, I wish these people lived next door. I'd really like to know these guys. So I feel like I'm doing what Spirit wants me to do. And I always don't mind talking about the book because I really didn't write it. <laughs> Somebody else wrote it. <laughs> that, I love that story. And, I, and I've done that with some of my writing. I've gone back and reread it or listened. Everybody to my, does. Or listened to some of my talks and gone. Did I say that? <laughs> oh, well, that was pretty, I'll go, that's a pretty good idea. Like, wow, or, or right. you know, and like when you were saying about hearing yourself say something and go, oh, you know, <laughs> and it, it, it has its own energy and its own epiphany that goes with it that our little selves have no idea it's coming. And then it's no. like, right. Whoa. Like, so you have to open up and then the universe will take care of you. Yes. yes. I'm about yes. to move into a whole new teaching that has to do how it keeps us balanced that keeps, keeps the energies flowing all the time so that we don't get out of balance. Now we can deliberately screw it up to use a very strong word, but if we don't, then life goes on pretty well. So give us a little preview of, of this new teaching. Well, I'm calling it the balance box and the, the source is divine love. And the prayer that we all say in church when we're going to give money, you know, is divine love in and through me, blesses all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. And all of these things are ours, given and received. Their generosity and power and gratitude and creativity and connectivity and passion, order and well-being, they're all ours all the time. If we don't get in the way, they're fine. If we get off too hard into one, you know, if we, if we, have a health challenge or we have a relationship falling apart or we're losing our job or something and we put all our attention into that 
we interrupt this flow of balance and can throw the whole system off. Or if we, but if we want to enhance it, we can also be aware of these energies and spend more time working on. So we have the opportunity to make it better or worse, but if we just leave it alone, it'll still be fine. Getting out of our own way. Getting out of our own way. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's really hard with people because it's like they want to say they've surrendered or they want to say they're out of their own way and then they want to get back in it. Well, it's like breathing. It's going on whether you know what's going on or not. I think it's amazing. I Tomorrow is my 82nd birthday. Well, happy and birthday. I, thank you. I still cannot name all the parts of this body I have lived in for 82 years or begin to tell you what they do. But yet and they do it perfectly. They have kept me alive and happy for 82 years. So when I say I surrender to the universe over and over again, it's getting myself out of my own way over and over and over and over. It's a constant, we are so, and it's the ego that brings us back in and interrupts. So, you know, it's all one course of study. It's a lifetime course of study, but at my age, looking back at having done it wrong so many ways and realizing how simple the process really is, that really you don't have to have any intellect, you don't have to have any training to get out of the way. It's just what you do. And the more you do it, the better life gets. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's so true. So when you look at your life and all the neat things you're doing and writing and all the teachings and everything, how would you like to see your work impacting our world? I'd like to see it waken more people. You know, I think you just have to get the idea in. And if the novel is what gets it in, if people will read it because it's a story instead of a class, then that's my way of, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of teachers on the planet and off the planet going all the time, trying to make human beings understand that they came here to have a good time. They're not supposed to take life so seriously, that if they'll just be nice to each other, that will make a big difference. If they'll be nice to themselves, it'll make an even bigger difference. Uh, if I can get that across by talking to you, by talking to a hundred other people, by writing a few books, by teaching a class or two, I have done all I can do to my part to help people realize that life doesn't have to be so hard, which is the name of my first book. Right. Yes, it's true. You know, whatever it takes to help people wake up. So if you're listening to Lauren and you're loving what she's saying, like I am, check the show notes for her bio and all the ways to contact her and check out her books and things like that, because it's really very profound and simple and fun and beautiful and profound all at the same time. So I have a couple um, questions that, that um, kind of are a little bit off topic, but not really. They're a little bit more personal. And one of them is, what is the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Well, it's funny you should mention that. I've always said if I could only take one food on a desert island, it would be the potato. I don't know why I am. I must have a starch deficiency or something, but I went out to dinner with friends last night to uh, a delicatessen and had potato latka. 
And the tater latke with applesauce and sour cream to me is as good as the, the best steak in the world or anything else. I just love it. And that's just my personal choice. On the sweet side, it would be a butterscotch sundae. Oh, yes. Yes, my dad loved butterscotch sundaes. Yeah. Forgot about that till you just mentioned it. That's amazing. You'll be so, having one before the day is over, right? <laughs> right. Thanks a lot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Our mind is very powerful when we imagine things and we think of things, they tend to show up, um, especially when you've been practicing it for a long time. And so is there anything that you wanted to share that I didn't ask you about before we get ready to close the show? Because there's so much we could talk about. We could be here all day and I want to be respectful of your time. And so is there something that has been that's on your heart that you would like to say that I have not asked about? Well, you you reminded me when we first chatted that you and I met some time ago in Phoenix, Arizona at a, a class on prayer chaplaincy. And that lovely teacher, Leilani Bird, had just uh, finished, come out of a really serious illness where she said that she actually laid in the hospital, paws up, she said. I could always think of her laying paws up like that and let her soul decide whether to live or die. And I think that if we don't get out of our own way, if we don't take control and not get bogged down in the horrors of life the the universe takes over and actually we hurt ourselves or get very sick or something until we give up and then let the universe take over so we could avoid that if we simply are awake and aware and decide to live a nice life i think we all have a choice of whether we can stay bogged down in old memories and bad things that happen to us and bad things that happen to other people and fears of what might happen in the future. Or we can realize that the, we breathe clean air in the United States, we drink clean water, we have good food, we have good friends, people love us, we sleep well at night. There are reasons to take time out and enjoy what the blessings are and not allow ourselves to get so soiled yes. that have to be ill or hurt in order to get over it. So just take care, just be, be, be awake and have fun and, and be grateful that you have this wonderful human experience. Right. And you don't have to live in a hospital bed mm. or you don't have to land in a serious situation to choose differently and wake up and have fun and be in the flow of the universe. It doesn't have And to I'm not that. telling everybody who's sick that they did it to themselves, but right. I am telling us that we can do it to ourselves if we aren't careful. Right. We can, we can create something that wasn't intended for us. Yes. That's true. Okay. So the final question of the show, I love that. I'm glad I asked you that. Um, the final question is, we're going to put a billboard up that the whole world's going to see with your quote on it. What quote would you like everyone to see? God loves you all the time. God loves you all the time. I love that. It gives me goosebumps. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Lauren, for being on the show with me today. And um, we'll have to do this again. There's so much more to yeah. talk about. Like, I had a delightful time, Diana. It's nice to see you again. Yes, it's good to see you too. And thank you very much. Now, don't forget, everybody, check the show notes. 
grab Lauren's books because they're really good. <laughs> All righty. So remember everybody to put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You are here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and let your light shine like that brilliant lice house that you are. Till the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.